Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 475. That's a nice number divisible by five. It is. I like that. I was adjusting the mic and thinking about numbers. What did you come up with? Uh, not too much. I taught math today. You taught math I today, I did. Kyle? I substitute taught. Uh, <gasps> taught kids how to do percentages so they could learn markups in stores. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now they know when they're getting screwed. Yeah, which is most of the time, as it turns out. <laughs> yeah. I Down know. with America. I had to explain to them what CDs were because they were young. <gasps> Oh no! That's the grave, Chris. <laughs> Is that what's calling? <laughs> yeah, that's what's calling too. Compact disc. <laughs> compact disc. Do you remember when you bought your first compact disc? Player? It's like having ten MP3s on a thing. Uh, that they're you like, have well, to why would you only have ten MP3s? Because, because we have- didn't have the technology, <laughs> and I hate you. That's a bad substitute teacher. <laughs> Uh, my favorite sentence is, I don't care. They start to explain something, like, I don't care, and just cut them off, and they look shocked and hurt. Aww. <laughs> are you, wait, so are you really sweet and docile here, but are you a bastard? Oh, yeah, I've got to take all my rage out somewhere, Chris. <laughs> and that's in the classroom. Oh, yeah. Sit down and zip your lips and shut up. Oh, yeah, just, just I horrible. I can't picture it. I just can't picture like, it. Even if you tried to do that, I feel like if one of them just started to, like, like, like scratch behind your ear, you'd be like, oh, oh get out of here, you it's little It's terrible. Muffin. My legs starts to shake compulsively, yeah, exactly. and I roll onto my belly, like, yeah. it's it's the worst. Yeah. Yo, get out of here. Come Being on. part dog is tough. It's really bad. Like, at first, you're like, oh, science is fun. And then you're like, oh, no, all my weaknesses. Yeah, I know. And this I can't is eat why chocolate. Part dogs should not eat chocolate and teach substitute no. teaching. But we're a fun Disney movie. Yeah, you guys are great. Um, this uh, episode of the podcast is sponsored by stamps.com. Do you like going to the post office, Kyle? No, nobody does. Well, I know, but as part dog, you probably feel some oh, sort of kinship. particularly angry. Because really? there are postal men coming by, and their dog's natural enemy after cats. Okay, good. So you... I start as, barking, and then they won't take my package, because I'm the man who's barking. You is this, um, let's call you a Kano sapien. I like it. <laughs> okay. Um, you would get very angry going into the post office. Oh, yeah. Well, now you have a solution. You don't have to go to the post office. You can... Uh, Take your pause and type in stamps.com. You can weigh out the... If uh, I write ramps.rom like a dog would, does it still take us there? It's racist against Kano can- Sapiens. I can say it. I'm a Kano Sapien. I know, but when Scooby-Doo came out, it was very... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> anyway. Audience, have you could have seen how his whole body froze... It's just, it, and he just then collapsed under his own it just, it giggles. Hit me, it hit me just like sideways. a thousand pounds. Yeah, it was just like being shot <laughs> in the like, chest, just point blank with giggles. Let's do this. Oh, I've been shot. <laughs> Where's this blood coming from? Uh, but stamps.com makes it super easy to print out the exact postage you need. Right? You have a, they're gonna you're gonna get a hundred and ten dollar bonus offer using the offer code Nerdist. And that includes a digital scale and up to $55 of free postage. And then you'll never have to go to the post office again. So don't wait. Go to stamps.com before you do anything else. Click the mic in front of the top of the homepage and type in what, Kyle? Uh, uh, Nerdist? Yes, well done. I, I genuinely started to say WTF. I know, I know. And I know, had I know. to stop. It's Thank just you so not, compulsive. Thank you for not Myra-ing me uh, here. That is stamps.com. Enter the promo code Nerdist. Uh, this episode of the podcast is Joel Kinnaman, who is the new RoboCop, who is also on The Killing who is a fantastic actor and who I did not know before we uh, were going to do the podcast that is he's Swedish. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. He just sounds like he's from the streets. And he is, but he's, those streets are Swedish streets. Ah, yes. Yeah. So they're, they're cleaner and, and run by a good social system. But really cool guy, really charming. And I saw RoboCop, which is in theaters February 12th. Uh, and also The Killing is the last season's going to be on Netflix. But RoboCop is really fun. I really thought the movie was... I mean, and they're not... 
paying me to say this. I really genuinely enjoyed so the, RoboCop. Those, those sacks of money that say RoboCop dollars or there are just no arbitrary? RoboCop sacks. Um, robo sacks. There are not robo sacks um, either. No, yeah, I would I, love to buy a robotic saxophone. Now that we're on that topic. <laughs> Uh, it does look super awesome. It really, and it really I was is. I was a little protective. RoboCop's is probably in my top ten. And then when I saw the trailer, I'm like, all right, maybe well, you don't I have to not it. like the other no, RoboCop. No, You're like, which uh, 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 the internet had lied to me and told me that they burn all the old copies. And then I was like, oh, you might just get more RoboCop. No, no, no. They don't burn the old copies. They don't bury them in the desert like they did the ET Atari game. But uh, when you can explain Atari to your students too, <laughs> twenty six hundred was it? that might even be outside your depth. I even tried to show. Oh no, I, I, okay. I know my Atari. I tried to show them the fifty eight hundred to show them something more recent. Yeah, but they didn't. No, uh, they were nothing. just still like, "Why does that?" Bastards. Um, but uh, but yeah, but Joel, but but RoboCop is a it's a really fun action movie, and I think and tonally it's different than the original oh, yeah. RoboCop, and so you can like both RoboCops. I think it was a I think it's a good example of a, of a reboot, and it'll teach the children about the RoboCop, which is the most important thing. Yeah, how a man becomes both robot and cop. Yeah, um, dead or alive, you're coming with me. Do you ever play the RoboCop NES game? Uh, and the the old yeah, yeah of course that was that was heavy in my rotation as a kid. I he mean, seeing, seeing RoboCop in, in those in those block in those graphics. Oh yeah, and, like, and and he punched dogs in the face, which I always had mixed emotions about as a can as a Canisabian. Yeah, you must be really I felt kind of like a race trader. It was no good. Well, now um, Kyle and I are going to go listen to Natalie Imbruglia's torn, or I guess <laughs> technically Edna Swap's torn. I mean, if we're going to be really technical about Ooh. it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a deep Well pull. done. Thank you. Uh, here's Nurse Podcast number 475 with Joel Kinnaman. Now entering Nerdist.com. sound okay you can have headphones you don't have to have headphones sometimes it's better if it but sometimes it gets really now intimate I if we're get just to hear my own voice yeah yes that's right you just this is what uh, if you did radio this is what it would sound like the the beautiful music of <laughs> you, my voice you have a good voice though <laughs> good for radio you right? have a really good radio yeah, voice yeah. a lot of people tell me that i should you know Try a career in radio. <laughs> they're not gonna. They don't. They're not gonna say that much longer. They're gonna be like, yeah, you know, you don't look like most radio guys. Most radio guys are not uh, tall Swedish gentlemen uh, with handsome jawlines. There, there's a reason a lot of people go into radio. Uh, so I, I worked in radio for a long time. I'm aware of the. I'm, no, I, think, I, I think you could make it on both sides. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you. That's very kind of you. Uh, I'm super excited because. I actually was able to see the movie. Oh, you did? Yes. Cool. There was a screening last week that I found out about last minute, and I couldn't go, and we begged them to send over a screener. And mm. so what companies do now is they'll send you a – a lot of times they'll send you a tablet. Right. So the tablet has a certain number of viewings, and they can track it, and they know. And so With a uh, large Eastern European man accompanying it. <laughs> that's with, right. With a big gun. Just the whole time, yeah. just stare. Why? How come you're not enjoying this? <laughs> left. Yeah, please. left. No. God damn it. Or kill your face. <laughs> <laughs> so he did, he did not have to kill my face, because I the, the movie is great. Cool. I really loved the new RoboCop. It's great. That's awesome, man. Because you don't know. With all the reboots, you don't know. Yeah, no, you don't know. But you guys did such a great job of somehow paying homage to the movie without doing the same movie. It's yeah. a, it feels like a totally different, but there are nods in the movie of like, oh, he quoted the thing from the, yeah, yeah, the thing right and, there. Yeah. He said that, <laughs> I don't want to give any away, but there's a couple that when uh, 
that when you see it and when people see it in the theater, there's going to be a hey <laughs> that. But what an amazing cast! I mean, uh, between uh, between you and Sam Jackson and Jackie Earl Haley and and Gary Oldman, it's He's insane. Right. Michael Keaton and Michael Keaton, yeah. One of my favorites, Michael K. Williams. Yes, oh, everyone's everyone's great. So we, you know, it's tough to sort of talk about the movie and specifically, so we don't give out any spoilers. But uh, but in broad strokes, what I feel like happened is because I saw the original RoboCop in the theater. Did you? Are you old enough to have seen it in the movie theater? I mean, I don't know. Um, I have this memory that I thought that was a real memory where my dad snuck me into a theater and, and saw it with me. He completely denies that now. <laughs> and I don't know if it's that he's afraid of the repercussions that that would sure. you know have with my mom. But um, I, th- I might have made that memory up. Uh, I do that quite a bit. You just uh, yeah. so, but you know what? But who's to say what a memory is really? The past, the stories that we tell ourselves. Exactly. So as far as that's I'm Spike concerned, Jones, by the way, that's he did a good job. Yeah. That that's that either could uh, have actually happened or it's not, or you had a memory implant. I could uh, have a little chip. A little Total Recall crossover. Sad chip. <laughs> Sad <laughs> chip of going to see. Yeah. Uh, but the original Roll Cup, I would say, is much more of a a, a, a satire of. American violence and capitalism and 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 nuclear uh, and cold war and and uh, and this was really just like a straight action movie with some of that as wraparounds but it's yeah. a fucking great it's a great action movie cool well well thanks man I, I'm I'm so proud of the movie and um, you know I I also think that there was there was a lot of uh, interesting philosophical questions that that jose was, was able to to bring to the film with uh you know like where, where what happens when uh when you automate violence mm-hmm. and 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 the whole um yeah it it, it was a it, it was a great experience shooting the whole thing with with jose and and he was a, he's such an energetic uh, director well also the other philosophical questions of like what makes a person and what is a what is a man and how exactly. much is the because the, again you know there's one scene where they're experimenting with a guy and he's it's talking about like how to get the emotion with the i can't talk too much about it but it, but just those <laughs> but just those questions and also i feel like this one Gave a little bit, shed a little bit more light on stuff that the first one just sort of tossed aside in terms of the characters kind of having an existential crisis, but really seeing who he was in the movie throughout. Yeah, I, mean, I think also a big difference between the original and this one was that, you know, in the original, then Peter Weller was, uh, when he was playing Robocop, he died. And then it was sort of. Uh, uh, his life was slowly coming back to him. Yeah. In, in our version, he's alive. Yeah. When and he's completely aware and um, and is you know just is reawakened into this nightmare that his life has become. Yeah. And and it becomes a you know also a, a journey for him to try to find purpose of wanting to continue to live. Yeah. When he wakes up as RoboCop and it's uh, revealed what's left of him, I mean, he wants to die. So, so in that in that sense, it I, for me that was what really drew me into the story and, and why I thought that this was going to be such a compelling um, story arc to to play was was that whole journey that he goes through. Yeah, and I just I, again I thought there was a really nice job because a lot of times when they'll reboot something, they just sort of try to suck the nectar out of all the stuff that worked in the first movie, but just with more CG. Yeah, but this was exactly. actually like its own totally its own story 
and uh, and it was and the suit looks great. And I, I, but every time I saw you, and I was like, "Fuck, that looks like it was such a pain in the ass to get on and off, and then get on a it motorcycle." <laughs> I mean, they're, they're basically every square inch of your flesh was just like bolted into that thing. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, the first time that the, they had me uh, try on the suit, I was out in uh, Pasadena outside of Los Angeles, and it was a you know smoking hot day. It was just. Um, it took about an hour and, and, and 45 minutes to put it on, and it was just, you know, they hadn't made all the adjustments yet, so everything was, like, digging into the wrong places, and I was sweating like a fucking pig, <laughs> and and I, I, just the idea that I was going to have to wear this suit for 14 hours a day, six days a week, for five months, that was quite daunting, and um, but but it, it, it was, um, it, it, I had a journey with with the suit that took me to a place that I, I hadn't that I couldn't imagine and and the just the feeling that you know because you're not wearing any clothes underneath so you have this kind of naked feeling um sort of have you ever had these dreams where you where you all of a sudden you're in the middle of a city and then you realize that you don't have any clothes on and there's like people walking around. Everybody's looking at you. you t- yeah. Come on, you yeah, had yeah, one yeah, of those yeah, yeah. at least once. Yeah. Don't, don't leave me out. But I'm here usually, on my I'm, own but, but I'm never embarrassed by that. I'm always like, Let's oh, you're like check finally, this I'm free. I'm, yeah, <laughs> you people and your clothes. <laughs> yeah. I, I have emotional versions of that. I don't have the physical representation of that. I have the emotional versions of right, that. Where right. I'm in a situation. But I'm emotionally exposed in some way, so there, it is a form of nudity. But yeah. it's not. It's not physical. Okay. Nudity. Okay. Well, well, yeah. I have these uh, these dreams anyway, um, and and I think that sort of um, that feeling of, of feeling naked. I, I mean, I I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, what the feeling would be when you wake up and realize that you are amputated pretty much from your throat down. And you you don't have a body anymore. And it's such a horrifying thought. But if you really try to think of what that would feel like, I think it it, it would be a naked feeling, that like an exposed like. Oh yeah. Even though there's nothing left, you feel exposed. Oh yeah. There's nothing there. And um, so, in in a weird way, the suit was what led me th- into that train of thought. And and the suit that you know makes me look powerful and and bigger than than i am was actually the the sort of uh the gateway to understanding some of the character's vulnerability oh that's a really interesting idea to me it seems like there should be rather than just acting classes like acting for sci-fi should be a very specific because you know other stuff you've done you're a guy it's like oh well this guy wears a jacket you know, he's kind of a street thug. A cool jacket. A very cool jacket, you know, the killing. Whatever. And then this is like, you have to somehow act your way around this weird obstacle of being squeezed into this thing and still being able to look, you know, somewhat natural and then also do the acting part. Like, yeah. That almost seems like the acting part is last. It's the very last thing you have to do beyond all that stuff. Well, it's, uh, well, actually not, you know, it, it, it because this the story had such a... Uh, it was such a clear arc, yeah. And so uh, the, you know, the, you have all these obstacles, but but actually, it was a, it, it was it was it was a very defined line of, of you know where the character went. Is it me, or does anyone not have any fucking idea how old Gary Oldman is? Because 
you see him in movies, like even going back 20 years, and you're like, that's an old guy. And the next one, like, oh, he's kind of a young guy. And the next one is like, oh, he's an old guy. And then Dark Knight, he's like, oh, he's ready for retirement. And this one, he looks, he looks okay. Like, yeah, yeah, I cannot yeah. fucking figure out how old Gary Oldman is. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, you know, he's, he's somewhere between 30 and 50, I'm sure. <laughs> At least. Yeah. He's got, I would say it could even be like 20 and 70. Oh, yeah, I'm for not, sure. I'm not 100% no, 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 sure. I don't think there's like, I think there's a 50-year, somehow he keeps being able to go back and forth. Yeah. Um, did uh, did you meet the, the rest of the cast beforehand, and, and uh, or did was it just like on set, hey, I'm Joel, nice to... No, well, actually, Jose had this whole uh, two and a half uh, week rehearsal before we started shooting the movie which is super uncommon especially in these big kind of movies i've never heard of it before um so we had this uh you know two and a half weeks where the whole cast would get together and we'd walk through the whole script and rehearse every scene and tweak the script Mm -hmm. and change it and um and that's quite a you know i haven't had that experience since i was working in the theater to be honest and uh, and it creates something that is quite invaluable and uh, it creates a feeling of ensemble um the hardest thing you can do as an actor is to go in and have like five days in a movie spread out over a couple of months um the easiest thing is to be the lead um by far um so what what it helped it, it just it made everybody feel that they were you know, telling this story together and, and sort of took ownership of the story. And, and we also, you know, got to know each other a little bit during that process. So, so when you get to set, you know, it's not the first time you're staring down Gary Oldman or Michael Keaton. And, and that, <laughs> for me, that was very helpful. Um, I, uh, I, did some, I did some research on you. Which is rare for me. I was actually, it actually made me feel somewhat professional. No, it's very professional. Like, I did actually do some research. I feel I'm very honored. <laughs> so, you Googled me. You, I did. did you Google me? I did Google you. You Googled me. Uh, I did Google you. I have um, and finally then, made it. <laughs> <laughs> you are in, you're in Google. Um, and, uh, and I just sold this Seven movie. Seven hits. <laughs> no, there's in a lot. In 0.2 seconds. And there's going to be a lot more. But you, you're, uh, from what I read, your mother is Swedish and your father is American, but you're also part Jewish, but you grew up in Sweden and then came back to America for a while to go to school and then went back. So would you say, Joel, that you're somewhat of a cultural RoboCop with all of these different elements bolted on? To your exterior. Cultural cop. Cultural I, I, cop. <laughs> I want to see that movie. Cultural cop. He can do any nationality. <laughs> I can do any accent. I am Russian. I'm okay, wait. I cannot I'm not, fight. I'm not, and I actually cannot play cultural cop. <laughs> I can only be Russian cop. Oh, just Russian cop. <laughs> I have one accent. Still another culture. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I, um, I, I grew up in a house where, uh, um, you know, my my the friends of my parents were from different places of the world and so i i did have a i did have a little bit of a a, a multicultural background did you grow up in stockholm i grew up in stockholm yeah wow so you speak swedish i do 100% 100% i never ever ever you know for i've seen you in a bunch of stuff before but especially is watching the killing i never i was never like i bet that guy's from sweden <laughs> like that never <laughs> Even entered my mind until I looked it up and realized what your what your heritage was. When did you come to the states? Um, about four and a half years ago. Are you serious? Yeah. How is? But you sound like you're. You sound like you're from here. How is? How well, do you? M- well, my dad's American. 
So that helps. Yeah, but still, there's no. I don't hear any like. Oh, but there's just the twinge oh, but, of a Swedish. You know, Swedish sometimes ship. I start talking like this, and then <laughs> uh, you know, this is how I'm thinking. But <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking in an accent. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when so you've acted because you've done a bunch of Swedish film as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how does language affect um, a performance, or how do you how do you dig down to really understand? You know, like because. Very little of what a language is are actual words, really. There's so much yeah. more to language than just words. So culturally, how do you ride those two lines? But I think also, like, uh, when when it comes to characters, and, and uh, I think nationality plays a big part in, in how people carry themselves, their, their posture or, or their body language or how they talk. Um, so all that comes into play. Um, I was fortunate enough to... Uh, to be an exchange student here when I was 17. So I went to high school for a year. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, a, lot of, um, a lot of the archetypes in, in American society is, is somewhat formed in, in high school. So after I started playing American characters, I realized how much I'd gained from going to high school here. And it was a lot easier for me to connect. And you went to high school in Texas? You are so well researched. So good, so good today. <laughs> Very good. I'm ple- I've I've seen the movie. I've seen your other work. I know where you went to high school in Texas. I'm blushing right now. I'm <laughs> blushing. <laughs> I'm watching you through your house. Um, what uh, what part of Texas was it though? That part I didn't get. They told me it was going to be in Austin. Oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah, the old it's an Austin trick. And then we kept driving. <laughs> and I saw Austin receding in the horizon. And then it was just red dirt roads and uh, trailer homes. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you have trailer parks in Sweden? We do not. That, that's one thing we don't. I mean, well, actually, we have got trailer parks, but not these kind of, you know, fancy tra- trailer parks that you guys have here. Oh, with, yeah, yeah. With these, you know, prefab houses. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the double wides. And, and, and you know, the, 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 the panels that cover the wheels it's and all that. very important. Yeah. Yeah. We have these old round, <laughs> round trailers, and, and they're uh, exclusively for junkies. Okay, you know, okay, good. Exclusively. Here, it's for families or yeah. junkies. No, I mean, no. either, you know, either way. It's more a high end. <laughs> so, what, mm-hmm. when you, what was your, what, just because I imagine the educational track is probably not identical to America, so how did they place you, and what was the curriculum, and did you have to come in and you know learn a bunch of stuff first or were did you just kind of slot right into the american high school system uh well i i can't i should have been a junior age wise because i was 16 when i came um but then they let me be a senior so i could uh, graduate and um now it was a it was a little bit of uh uh i was a bit startled some at the the level of some things it wasn't um quite the standard i was used to oh really i had a I had a geography teacher that told me that after the yugoslavian war yugoslavia was divided up into three countries uh serbia croatia and romania mm-hmm. i was like oh well, well, well uh, romania is a different country and uh, and then uh, what about it's been there for a while yeah what about Bosnia and uh, <laughs> Montenegro and Slovenia? So you know, um, hey, listen, Swedish, you don't come in here and tell me nothing about Romania. You think you know you shit? You know shit, boy. You shut that stupid mouth before I slap you. Well, actually, I've been to the. <laughs> I speak the. Okay, I'll just I'll sit quietly over here. I'll yeah, sit quietly. So, and, and when I got angry, she went hippie on me and said, "Like you can die with bad karma." <laughs> <laughs> 
She's like, really? That, that was not the response I had expected from fu- a geography teacher <laughs> in Texas. fucked up thing to tell a kid. <laughs> yeah. You're going to die. You're going to die with So do car. I pass that on? Does that mean that my kids are fucked? But no detention, right? Yeah, no, no, no. Like, just okay, good. die with All right. bad Well, karma. that's fucked. That's way. Who yeah. cares about that? That's way down. Well, you'll be dead. You won't even know. You won't even know at that point. Um, what is... Uh, how how would you describe like what are some of the differences between you know your and I know this is a complex question to try to pin down into a few words but so what is the general vibe between Swedish culture and and American culture that you feel like a few words that maybe help condense those into a, into a couple words um the difference yeah <clears throat> I think um, in American culture. There, there's more of a need to um, bring out the lightness, or um, or to show, you know, like a happy ending. Or, or I think um, in in Sweden, there's there's a stronger sense that you have to be true to the story that you're telling, and 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 that it's uh, it has to be true to life. Like if you're telling a story about some junkies, you don't necessarily have to end it on a high note Mm -hmm. um and and i think that um people want to more get that slice of life out of it but at the same time there's a lot of i'm i'm going against myself now because i I think there's a lot of that other kind of uh more poppy fluffy culture in sweden as well um um is there any does is there any um, um do you see any kind of uh commonality of american culture and swedish culture. oh this is the same over there this is, or is it is it culturally like these things are just like uh two opposite ends of the spectrum it's not i mean we are very americanized and very used to um american culture there's there's so much you know american culture influxing in in, in sweden um but we also you know get a lot from france and mm-hmm. eastern europe as well so um I'd say generally it's a bit darker, um, darker subject matters, um, char- more depressed characters, <laughs> all that good stuff. Is what's um, the what's the comedy scene like in Sweden? Is there, uh, is there like a comedy club scene? It's actually quite bad. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say that uh, Sweden has so much to learn when it comes to uh, American comedy, and and um, you know, like the stand-up scene is not even close. There, I mean, there's. You know, one comedian every ten years that you know has some kind of edge, and um, and the writing for television is is very tame. Mm-hmm. And, um, so uh, you know, when it comes to comedy, I think that the, the U.S. is you know maybe we're I think world leading. What? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, I would say so. Okay, good. Well, that's at least we're number one in something. It's nice to have. <laughs> it's nice to have something. No, but I definitely think so. I mean, I I watched a lot of uh, you know comedy from. Around the world, and I mean, you find funny stuff from uh, from a lot of places. But in general, I think that um, that American comedy and comedy writing is, yeah, it's it's on top of the world. Is Swedish comedy physical comedy, or is it more? Um, is it is it more like spoke? You know, are the jokes more based in the words and wordplay and that sort of thing? It's a little bit of that, and it gets a little f- folky and little, <laughs> you know, like two thumbs up, like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, right, uh, right. I mean, there is some good stuff, and 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 you know, all the, every now and then there's like a little group of people that um, that find something, and and then they play, they run with that for a couple of years, and yeah. it's actually pretty funny and can be quite edgy and and um, and and dark. But the the best Swedish comedy is usually not in comedies; it's in uh, it's in dramas where it's the drama is is you know dark comedy. I think maybe part of that could be that um you know like myself and you know in America I feel like comedy is born out of sort of feeling different or weird or maybe ostracized or or something and uh every and I'm sorry to make this generalization but every person in Sweden is fucking gorgeous and so <laughs> they just don't feel any sort of weird outcast need cuz everyone's like hey, take your well, hand off my leg I'm sorry right now, I apologize I listen I thought it would be okay yeah, it's not okay all right I'm sorry I need a bigger table here I need so you, a bigger divide should I put both hands on or just the no, one no okay. hands all right good all right okay it's good to just establish conversation just to establish boundaries yeah, yes. all right okay well we'll at the end we'll see <laughs> <laughs> how where, how things are going? We'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I wonder, you know, what was your what was what was like high school, grade school like for you in Sweden? Do you do you feel like what were the different kinds of um, uh, classes, archetypes within your, your with or within your school? Was there was there was it as complex as like an American school? Yeah, and. <clears throat> I, I think it was. I had a I had a weird um, or, or a different kind of um, you know uh, time in school because I went since my dad was American. I I went to a public school that had um, for some students it had like you know we were like thirty in each uh, year, mm-hmm. um, and you know the whole school there was maybe you know two hundred in each year, and they had you know classes A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And then we had the S classes, which was for all the kids that had uh, an English-speaking parent. Oh. And it was like one school in, in Stockholm that had this education. It was a regular public school, but it, we had our education in English. Okay. So when we were playing like uh, football or soccer in, in, during the you know, lunch break, it would be us against the Swedes. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So I sort of grew up with uh, a sense that you know, I was apart from the norm. And um, and then when I grew older, uh, you know, in, in, in Sweden and in many European societies, we don't um, we don't have these, uh, you know, ethnic um, it, here. It's, you know, it's African-American, Hispanics uh, in, in, in many European countries. It's, it's much more like immigrants mm-hmm. and then this sort of bunch together. And of course, there's all these different ethnic groups and, and a lot of the the. Um, the problems that the people that are economically on the fringe uh, are usually immigrants or second generation immigrants and and are discriminated against uh-huh. and so I automatically had a, um, I felt an affiliation because I grew up with all of them okay um, so you were sort of an immigrant because your father was yeah, but I wasn't uh, discriminated against of course because I look Swedish right and and I didn't speak with like an accent because in, in, in Sweden and as the same as in all the European countries like the the hoods they're out in the suburbs mm-hmm. and and I lived I didn't live in the suburbs I lived in the city um, but all of my friends were living in the suburbs Um so I mean I had a different way of looking at like the archetypes, but I think that was something that I was um, I became aware of real quick, mm-hmm. and 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 to see that like my friends were treated differently than than how they treated me, and so that that was something that was 
interesting growing up and also interesting when it comes to my um my sort of uh f- national identity yeah and and w- when i'm in sweden i sort of feel like an american and when i'm in america i feel, feel a little bit like a swede and what is that and so is that does that feel good or does it feel like oh, i just want to feel like i belong somewhere i mean i like it and and i feel like i i can belong when i want to and then i i can you know do my own thing when i want to i am jealous of <laughs> folks with a dual citizenship thing because it's oh, just like you can just sort of country hop that and I, and I could you know if i wanted to i could get a triple passport what mm-hmm. for what what other country israel oh man that, Shema man, Israel just, Adonai Elcheinu. You're yeah. just showing off. I, now. Yeah, I am. That's the only thing I can. <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's, that's all the Jew I got in me. <laughs> have you Have you been to Israel? No, I haven't. You think you'll go someday? Um, I might at yeah. some point. Um, right now, I I don't think it's, it's busy right now. It's, well, and you're busy right now too. Yeah, I'm busy right now. Are you so? Are you done? So you uh, are you immediately working on something else at the moment? Are you working on the? Are you working on the TV show, or are you working? Well, right now, you know, I'm promoting the film, yeah, and um, and then I'm going to do uh, six more episodes of The Killing, yeah. Um, so I'm going to do that in the end of February, mm-hmm. and then after that, I don't know. You don't uh, know, really? I'm unemployed. Are you uh, just sort? Do you are, are you thinking any at all about the premiere and like, oh, it, if the movie does this, it could mean this, or it could, or do you just not think about any of that stuff? I'm, I'm, you know. You know, pitching myself to different radio stations and you know, like <laughs> to podcasts. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, <laughs> if you will have me, I'll <laughs> please. But I think it's a good. I think it's a kind of an exciting place to. I think it's a really exciting place to be actually because it's it. The movie's gonna be high profile and people are gonna see you and then you know, then I think you'll get to this part in your career where you kind of go. Oh, okay. Well, now there's the opportunities. What's the smartest opportunity? You know, like how do I. How do you make sure, you know, to make that next, what's the next choice after that? It is an acting choice? Is it an a- another action movie? Or what's yeah. the specific, you know, is it a crazy character or a leading man? I mean, you can sort of, especially between The Killing and this, it's obvious you could do either. You could play like a really intense character or you could play like the handsome leading man. <laughs> and that, I, think that's a, I think that's an interesting place to be. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I always try to find, to do like as different as, characters are possible and i'm trying to find characters that i haven't played before um you know to find that kind of right challenge and when it when it comes to to acting in, in general like it we're, we're the one art form where you know we have to be invited to play and um and there is this sort of um there's actually a real reason why you want to sort of climb the ladder mm-hmm. because the only way that we can define ourselves as artists is how we choose and what we choose to do and and if you have to put food on a table that's an easy choice but it doesn't really define you as an artist mm-hmm. so you try to get to a position where you have a, a variety of choices so that you can then define who you are and and what kind of stories that you want to tell yeah and is there are there specific stories that you feel like you know, is the, is there an itch somewhere where you go? I really like to do this kind of a thing to show off this thing I have. <laughs> I got I got a couple. I'm I'm you know desperately waiting for my left foot too. <laughs> oh, uh, my uh, other left foot. Yeah, which my, is just his right or, foot, or just my right foot. You know, like that. <laughs> my right. Yeah. that would be the sequel. <laughs> the, <laughs> the reboot with just one boot because he just got the one leg. That I would kill that. That's fucking yeah. amazing. <laughs> I can see you in a room pitching like, look, 
this RoboCop thing, we, we redid it. It the, did great. Yeah. All good. I wa- I'm looking to reboot my left foot. I think it, Christy Brown had a twin brother that no one saw <laughs> named Tr- Tristy you Brown. You actually knew the name of the character? I did. That's really impressive. I have a weird brain. That is impressive. Um, yeah, well, that was the movie that uh, that was the movie that broke Daniel Day Lewis out. Yeah, yeah everyone was like, anyways. "Oh fuck!" You know, yeah. I mean, like I know he had done other stuff before that, but that was the movie that you know, like the Academy Awards yeah. and the and he uh, and then um, and then it was that was the beginning of his. What's he going to do next? next? And then it's like, yeah, for sure. oh, he does a movie every few years, and then you don't <laughs> see him. Some shoes, yeah. <laughs> they don't go In make shoes. <laughs> I feel like I feel like his type of acting is almost a psychological burden, or it's like <laughs> yeah. I have to go live this life for like a two years <laughs> in the jungle. I'm playing a zookeeper, so I decided to go to Africa and live and just live amongst big game to really understand. I would have lived like a rhino. They ate both of my feet, so I'm out of the running for the season. I'm not, I couldn't be in either of it. And that's why, you know, I could do this one. <laughs> but I hear that Joel Hinneman is really good. He has an excellent foot. <laughs> Are there people that you, uh, that you, that whose careers you think like, oh, not, not that you want to model yourself at everyone, but, but just sort of like the inspirational, because I have people that I look at and I go, oh, I love what that guy does. I love the choices that guy makes. Yeah. Who's that for you? Uh, I'd say Meryl Streep. Um, I think she's uh, incre- incredible human being and i've never met her but just the way i hear her talk about the way she works and i've also gotten some insight on on how like how it's at on set Mm -hmm. when she when she does her work and um i think there's a sometimes when people get a little too successful they uh they stop preparing enough and they sort of forget the the essence of the craft and um when 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 just show just them showing up is so valuable so they they stop doing a little bit of the work and and she shows up you know at the read through off book she knows all her lines in the movie that's just right. showing off meryl streep yep but i love it <laughs> um and that sets the tone you know that sets the tone for everyone else and you know that you're gonna and and, and if it's one thing that will always give results it's preparation yeah and and I'm, I mean, I've had that experience many times in, in Hollywood when you show up and, I mean, you've been working on this scene for a month and a half and then you show up and somebody's like holding the little white sides and they don't know their lines yet. And, and they're, you know, trying to remember the lines as you rehearse the scene. I'm like, are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? You've just described me. Even yeah. if I had like a page, a page of dialogue, I'd be like, what is it? What is it? <laughs> this is why I'm not an actor, Joel. <laughs> And here we are. I could host the shit out of anything. I could I could host an after show after anything you do. But uh but but the acting thing is just like uh it it just No, I've seen you. You're a good actor. No, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not. Mm-mm, no. You're good. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I I just uh, the the process of it is so daunting to me because um it, it's a controlled uncontrollable craft if that makes any sense like yeah. there is a structure to it but when people are really when people are really hitting it it feels effortless and it doesn't feel like they're trying to direct it in any way it's just happening yeah and so to to find the essence of that in something where you know ahead of time what you're going to say and what you're going to do but then make somehow make choices to make it seem like i am 
I am reacting. I'm not being proactive. I'm just reacting to things. Like to me, it just it it stresses me out to no end to yeah, even think about it. It's a it's a loss of control. Um, but but for me, the the best way to lose control or to be comfortable losing control is being incredibly well prepared. Mm-hmm. And I think and it's it's like with all art, you got to know the form to break it. And and that's. Um, and that's something that you know Meryl Streep. She's a, she's just a bright shining example of that. And and when and when she when she's in, I, I just heard this story uh, from when they were shooting uh, August in Osage County. You know where she does another incredible performance. And and she's uh, she's got this scene with Julia Roberts where um, Julia is trying to take the her little bottle, the pill bottle. And when they were shooting that, you know Meryl was saying to Julia like. You know, this isn't going to be one of those situations where I let you take this pill bottle. You're going to have to pry it out of my cold, dead hand. <laughs> no, but you're going to have to. You're going to have to. You know, fight for it. And she had to fight for it. And 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 you know, they were tumbling around on the ground. And 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 the next day, Meryl Streep would show up with bruises all over her arms. And and you know, she didn't say a word about it. And for me, being such a, an esteemed actor and and with all the respect that she carries, to lead with that kind of example for me is uh, is so commendable and, and respectful. And uh, you know, that's um, that's someone who I really look up to. Well, that was an interesting word to say to lead because really, if you're in Meryl's position, or even in the position that I assume that you're going to be in more and more, is that you are not just like a leading role in something isn't just like oh, that's the most famous focal point of the movie. It's like for the entire production, for the entire, like, you lead, on set, you lead the energy. Like, they follow you, you know? And a a, a shitty set probably has a shitty leader, you know? Yeah. And, the, and the sets that are really friendly and warm and inviting have a really good i mean you you have a you have a responsibility and yeah for sure you know you know another example that i thought of and i have no idea i haven't heard any stories from that set but just from watching when i saw wolf of wall street mm-hmm. you could just feel like the positive energy of leonardo dicaprio and because you could every other actor every other actor that came in i mean i'm sure that scorsese has a little bit to do with it yeah. as well but everybody was warm yeah, everybody was feeling good, and ev- and you could see that people were performing at their best. And I, when you just look at at how uh, Leonardo is playing, like it's, uh, you know, you you could tell that he was influencing everybody in a positive way. And for me, that's uh, um, that that's I, I got so much respect for that. Yeah, I mean, it's important to make sure that everyone's comfortable because sort of like waking up and finding yourself naked in a city. Um, <laughs> you know, people are essentially coming on to bear pieces of who they are and their soul. And so that's a little nerve wracking sometimes. And mm-hmm. if you're not comfortable, then you're less likely to do that because then you have this barrier of like, eh, this guy's a kind of a dick or this lady's mad at me. And I yeah. don't I just don't know if I'm supposed to be here, you know, yeah, and it's a whole. Fuck that. Yes. <laughs> no, but it, it's, it's this kind of um, when people. I don't know. It's that old Marlon Brando quote, like. People confuse their talent with their paycheck. Yes. Yeah. You know? Well, I think they also... I, I my, my, my theory about it is that, you know, look, first of all, you have whatever... Whatever baggage you had going in um, gets magnified a lot. So, you know, if you're a good person, I feel like, oh, that, that Matt, you see more of that because, you know, it just... Because of that umbrella effect on, you know, on the on the production. But if you come in... And you're kind of an asshole, 
then that just sort of gets magnified because this is definitely a business where you have to police yourself. Because <laughs> other people, if you're making the money, will let you do pretty much whatever you want to do. And there's not really a... There's not really a, an accurate barometer in place. Whereas most people in the workplace, if they were a dick, someone would be like, sit the fuck down. Yeah, what the hell? Which, yeah, yeah. yeah, but in this business, if someone's making money, then they, then, you know, oh, he's, yeah, he's having a bad day. You know, like everyone sort of justifies the behavior. So it's it's really dangerous. I, I've, you know, every once in a while, I'll, if I come to work a little cranky, I, I have to remember like, oh, yeah, no one's going to say to me like, you're being a cranky jerk. They'll let it happen. And I have to make sure that I don't put them in that position to have to, you know, to have to say that. Yeah, yeah. No, I can, I can definitely see how how that can be like that. I, I think also, you know, some people create a life situation where, you know, their friends aren't just their friends. They're they all have something to gain from you and a lot to lose. Yeah. Um. So then you don't get that normal feedback. Yeah. You know, what's your is your friend group? Are they performers? Are they non-performers? Or uh, both, but I mean, a lot of people, you know, most of my friends are, you know, in some form of uh, creative business. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I have some you know, director friends, some music friends and, you know, a bunch of actors. Um, but, um, yeah, I, 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 you know, it's it's hard to, to, to keep in touch with people that have a regular job, especially when you move you know, a 17 hour flight away from them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess, that, I guess that a lot of my old friends, you know, that, that aren't in the, you know, entertainment industry or, or, you know, any kind of performance, they, they live in Sweden and I'm not there anymore. So, yeah. Uh, it, what do you do creatively to when you obviously, you know, like you said, you have to get permission to act like someone has to hire you before you can just go mm-hmm. act. Um, what do you do when you're when you have time off and you sort of feel like nah, I kind of need to feel that thing that I normally would feel from acting? Do you do you have other types of creative outlets? Yeah, I mean, I I love um, you know spending my time with activities where I sort of have to face some kind of fear. Um, so I I train like boxing and Thai mm-hmm. boxing, and I just started surfing. Which is can be fucking terrifying. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's scary. The, the idea of surfing, is, it, I, I feel like people people take for granted how incredibly powerful the ocean is. It is. I, I was uh, this uh, right after New Year's. I went to Hawaii. I went to the North Shore in mm-hmm. Oahu, and um, and I was out surfing with this Hawaiian surf champion. And I've only surfed maybe twenty five times, something like that. And um, and it was bigger waves than I've ne- ever been in the ocean with. Uh, in a boat or anything it was there they were like um what did they say that it was it was like 18 foot now maybe i'm exaggerating but like 15 15 foot waves let's say 70 like, let's just say it's it 70 like, feet it was double and a half overhead yeah okay they were saying so it was some big fucking waves and and at first i was sort of um i caught the first wave that i went up on and it was amazing and then I, you know, was, and he was, you know, telling me like, paddle left. And I was like, why? And then he was like, just paddle. And I paddle left. And then this like massive body of water just came <laughs> crashing down. And I was like, I would have died there. That would have been the end. And, um, and I was around, you know, like, and he would be paddle right, paddle left. And then, and then when I was going to try to catch a wave, I would be a little bit hesitant because I was afraid, you know, to get in front of the wave and then it just comes crashing down on you. So I'd miss a couple, you know, maybe five or six in a row. 
And then this guy was like, dude, man, you should totally just take the wipe out. You know, it'll be good for you. You're not going to die today, man. I was like, I would die. And I'm not, I'm not going to take it. I'm like, no, I'm not going to take a wipe out. Like, that's... Yeah, but it but it's uh, it's an incredible feeling. Though. I sure wish I had someone just behind me in life all the time going paddle left, <laughs> yeah, paddle right. Yes, the wave's gonna crush you. Oh yes. All right, take the wipe out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's uh uh it's good to it's good to sort of have some type of stable something in a business that is. Not remotely stable. It's not emotionally stable. It's <laughs> the work's not stable. The travel's not stable. It's no. a, I can't, you know, I, I can think of very few businesses that across the board really have such instability and oddly attract unstable people at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a. It's a sometimes w- that's like two pluses makes a, or <laughs> two minuses makes a plus. Yeah, it's, uh, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. But sometimes it just makes a quadruple minus. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm, I'm also fortunate enough to, like, we're this uh, sort of group of friends from Sweden that has all sort of um, had success over here at the same time in, in different directions. And um, and that's been, um, you know, had a great impact on me. And, and, and we sort of help each other out and, and it's easy to talk and bounce ideas off one another. And um, and that's been, a, it's, it's a sort of a little support system that was uh, very unexpected. Is Swedish culture as obsessed with celebrity as American culture? Or do we kind or or is it? Is it, uh, are we just disgusting here? <laughs> no, I mean, that's totally a worldwide uh, okay. phenomenon. But, um, yeah, I, I guess in Sweden, it's just uh, the national character, um, just makes it a little more quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the, the sort of unsocial nature of Swedes makes it easier in, in Sweden because they're just too afraid to come up and talk to you. You know, we we have we have seven to eight months a year where you don't talk to anyone you don't know because it's just too cold. Sure. So you're going at point A to point B and like don't try to talk to me while I'm getting out of the cold. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the whole country is sort of trained in a way where you, you know if there's if there's an you know, if you if you go on a bus in Sweden and there's, uh, you know, there's one empty seat, or I mean, there's there's uh, just one person on that bus, the second person is going to sit the furthest away from that person, <laughs> um, and and you know sometimes when the, you know like immigrants that have come up, you know, come to Sweden recently, you know, they'll obviously go and sit next to the person and talk to them, you know, right. and the Swede will think this guy's a crazy person, <laughs> and um and so it you know there is a, um, there is that that quality of, of Swedish people that that um is a little unsocial and um and that makes it a little easier. And do you think it is that they're sort of nervous about talking to people or do they just feel don't like me. <laughs> uh, I didn't they didn't like me either when I was growing up. Maybe I should have gone to Sweden. I, I how do Americans do in Sweden? Um well they do pretty well. Like um I mean, we're so influenced by American culture, and we're so well versed in American culture. Um, so, I mean, it totally depends on what kind of American it is. Um, but uh, like an urban, uh, you know, well-educated American will do tremendously well. Uh, a loud mouth, you know, just yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe wouldn't do as well in you know my 
next of the wood. Sure. But but maybe would do great, you know, in northern rural Sweden. I so. really want to go to Sweden. I really it's one of those you know, there's a handful of places I wanna I, I, I really wanna hit I wanna hit Sweden, Finland, Norway. I wanna hit Reykjavik. Really badly. Ooh, I want to go to Reykjavik too. Yeah, you were way closer than. Yeah, I've never we... been, never been. But I mean, all these places, you just got to make sure that you you go between July mm-hmm. and September. Yeah, and do not go there <laughs> any other time. Well, I mean, you know, most of the United States right now is basically uh, the planet Hoth. Uh, <laughs> so it, like, I feel like a dick because. I'll talk to people back on the East Coast, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, the uh, can't get any water. The pipes are frozen. I'm st- I'm frozen in my pants. I can't get out of my pants. I haven't shit in a week." And then, uh, and then that's he- like it was for me to play Robocop. Right? <laughs> that's exactly. You were frozen in your yeah. pants. You couldn't shit for a week. That yeah. was exactly. Or I would shit, but I couldn't, you know, get out of the suit for a week. So. I like to think that the suit had its own waste disposal system that uh, was that high tech. I just go. Okay, just and you just to, yeah, you would just deal with it later. later. Yeah. <laughs> that's how committed. Yeah. I guess you would. Those are the things that you don't think about. Like, man, it'd be really awesome to play Robocop. I better shit before I get into that suit because <laughs> I cannot get out of it for, know, for like was, 14 hours. A, yeah. But it seems like uh, such a rash. I feel. Know, so I feel. Oh my god! It must have been yeah. terrible. Like the prickly heat after three months. Ah, oh, come on! Yeah. Did they just burn the suit after that? Like this is not salvageable at this. I point. I tried to, <laughs> but it can't be. Uh, it can't be killed. Studio. Damn you! Damn you! Did stu- they give you one? Did they give you a suit? No. Come on! I wouldn't take it. You're fucking RoboCop. <laughs> what are you talking about? They did give me the guns, though. Okay. All right. Yeah. Which didn't. You know, that was at a time when we were talking a lot about guns. Yeah. So my, you know, extreme happiness to have these guns didn't, you know, really rhyme that well with every conversation that I was having about gun control and everything with yeah. all my friends. But I was like, you see these guns I just got? <laughs> I was like, such a hypocrite. See, I would have asked for the visor because then you could be robo-anything. You could be like robo-banker. You could be like <laughs> robo-astronaut. Like, you could be anything. Robo-farmer. Yeah. All you need is the visor. Yeah. Like, once the visor or comes like down... Robo-toilet exi- whatever. Guy, yeah, you know? whatever. Robo-toilet tissue yeah. guy. Any, any, anything, any, any robo class. All you, all you really need is, is the helmet. Yeah, I think to make it work, <laughs> I would have asked for the helmet. Was it, what was it? Was it a composite? Like, was it like a plastic material or like a rubber? What was the, what was the suit? I don't know. But it was all different kinds of stuff. It was, you know, it's all this stuff. Yeah, hard and soft stuff. Yeah, and it together when it put it together, it was the suit. Yeah. Did you? We can talk more about it if you want to. I would like to know the exact <laughs> chemical composition yeah. of every one of the suits. Yeah. Oh yeah, because I'm sure there were probably suits where you were a little more you were you run, or suits where you just stood the in place. silver suit was uh, a lot more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. The silver suit was a bitch, but the black one it was better. It yeah. wasn't good, and and you know sometimes it had this, uh, you know, I, it was like this uh, karmic uh, device between my legs like sometimes if I, I think it was when i'd been a bad boy and sometimes I, when i sat down it would pinch my balls and, it, and there was no way of telling when it would do that or how i would say I, after six months of using it i couldn't figure out like what it was i did you know or what the suit like and just sometimes it just pinched my balls and it was an I want those and I would like howl like you know those old dogs that sit down <laughs> on their balls. Like, I really I want to see the outtake of like you're under arrest. Ow, ow, my balls. Yeah, B roll was not there. That's unfortunate. <laughs> and they never addressed. Not unfortunate. <clears throat> they never addressed 
in the movie. <laughs> well done. They never addressed in the movie, like, uh, oh, you know, he's uh, Robocop, a little uh, human action no, uh, down there. No uh, Robocop. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it was just like one outtake where you're like, really? Not, not one dick? You could have given me like nine dicks. I'm a robot. I could have just had a dick wheel, and that's you didn't give me anything. The, that's the sequel. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, actually, I did a, um, an interview in sort of it's the Swedish uh, Good Morning America. Mm-hmm. We did it in the summer. I was promoting this uh, Swedish film. It was right before I was going to go shoot RoboCop. And, uh, and this was a particularly amazing event because the, the CEO of state-run Swedish television sort of took a step down to the common man and hosted this show for a month oh. during the summer. And so she was doing this interview with me and another uh, cast member of the movie. And she was talking to my, my friend. And, and, um, and then she turned to me and, and she just looked you know, deep into my eyes. And, and this is live television in the morning. And she was like, and Joel, you're going to go off and do Robocock after this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, nah, see, that's the porn version. I was like, thanks, you just put it all on YouTube. And, and indeed she did. That was, the, that was the one she wanted to see. Yes, yes, yes. That's a, that was a Freudian slip it on was, her part. Indeed. She was like, oh, the co- consonants, consonants. It's, it's, I'm so, so sorry, so my sorry. English, uh, it's not very uh, cock. I mean, good. <laughs> I mean, I'm thirsty for cock. I mean, oh, gosh, hosting is hard. I like Cox. I'm sorry again. Uh, are the other shows that are they are they in Swedish or a mix or or English or, or, or your television in Sweden? Uh, I mean, it's a mix of you know homemade productions and you know some French shows and a lot of American shows. Yeah, um, and British too, and British television yeah. too. Did you did you, did you did you like British comedies? Like, was there did you like British television as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's been a, quite a few. I mean, The Office is incre- incredible. What would you say was sort of, you know, like pop culture? What are some of your pop culture touchstones? Like what things influenced you the most? Mm, I would say uh, Star Wars Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, This French movie called La Haine, Hate, Mm -hmm. which I thought was one of the reasons I wanted to start acting after I saw the movie. Um, Snoop Mm -hmm. and Dr. Dre when I was... 11, 12 years old, um, and too short. <laughs> um, you got over that. What are you, like 6'3"? What's that? Are you like 6'3", 6'3"? Yeah. 6'2 and a half. 6'2 yeah. and a half. Yeah. All right. I'm going to give you 6'3". Well, you know it's a rapper called Too Short. Is there? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. See, that I didn't. Uh, I got... Uh, this okay. should tell you where, where, where I lie. I'll get the <laughs> Christy Brown reference. <laughs> Don't no, know the rap, don't no. know the hip hop references. That's okay. I mean, I grew, you know, when I, I tried when, when yeah. I grew up in the when I grew when, when I grew up, uh, like rap was just blossoming. Yeah, and so it didn't really become like hip hop until the nineties. Mm-hmm. So when I when I was when I was listening to the musics, <laughs> it was like it was like Run DMC and Cool Mo D and Big Daddy Kane. Like it was like mm. they were like rap, you know. Yeah, and then uh, and then I didn't make the transition to hip hop. By that time, I had sort of been lured into like you know like whiny british caucasian music of you know like the the radio heads and the you know like mm-hmm. that that sort of so i went down i went down that path i didn't yeah, i did not get not, pulled not, a, not a bad path to go actually the first album that i bought as a you know almost white haired blonde swedish <laughs> boy i went and bought fear of a black planet nice <laughs> it's public enemy public enemy yeah yeah it's the first album i bought you know, it was always funny to start to see the 
you know, the crossovers between rap and, you know, it was like Run DMC and Aerosmith did the crossover mm-hmm. and then Public Enemy kind of wound up, one up them and did anth- like the crossover with Anthrax. Right. And it was just like, you know, all these all these white people. It's just like the door in, like, what is this? This is amazing. <laughs> we and can it, change this. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do have to confess that in the early 90s when I was in college, I went through a pretty severe, I, you know, I lied. I actually did go through a hip-hop phase like Boys to Men, Bell Biv DeVoe, like those guys, and uh, and I was wearing. I don't know if I would call Boys to Men a hip hop phase. Well, Motown Philly, I wore like baggy clothes to and... the end. <laughs> they were more than just that song, Joel. Uh, that fucking song was like at the at any any television series that had a finale for like ten years, like they would play that song at the end, like come to the end of the road, yeah, oh, yeah. fucking song. Um, but uh, uh, that, so that that sort of ended. I think I had put my hip hop stuff away because I was like, I look dumb doing this like i didn't i could not rock the clothes and then and grunge was like that's much more comfortable i can rock a flannel i can rock a flannel shirt yeah you can indeed yeah a flannel shirt that kind of that you know that fits you know chain wallets okay fine jeans and boots i'm in easy just all you just look like you work at a gas station that's all you got to do so there was no that that was that was all the flair that i had in me um so how long uh, the movie comes out? Uh, when does the movie come out? February twelfth. Twelfth, um, and then not like uh, Mike Williams' uh, Instagram that January tenth. Oh, Mike, <laughs> come on, come on, Mike, what are you doing? Fuck, now a bunch of people are going to be really angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, are you are, are you on social media at all? Do you have a Twitter account or anything? No, no. I did. I didn't. You you seem like a you seem like a fairly comfortable with yourself and secure kind of person who does not need to validate themselves on social media like I do all the time. I li- fucking it's what when did you first kind of start playing around on the internet or did you ever become obsessed with it or was it ever was it always just like meh? No, no, no. I'm I mean I'm always online and I you know I have accounts on these different you know like I have Facebook and Twitter and all that but I don't I only have it for like a small group of friends. Oh, nice. Yeah, I just feel like it's. Um, I, I don't. I don't know why. Why I would. <laughs> you know, why? Why? Yeah. I feel like that is really the perfect question that I would ask a lot of what's on the internet is why. Yeah. And I, I think the answer that shouts back from the abyss is. Fucking everybody else has gone. I don't know. See him. You why you know because no one because before the internet no one could see like a husky puppy taking a shit on <laughs> on a cat you know but now there's like twenty of those yeah so I guess it really is I think we're so obsessed with having to distract ourselves at all times maybe you don't I mean maybe I'm just hopelessly old school in that way but I. I still feel like the the less people know of me, um, the easier it is to, you know, suspend their disbelief when I when I play a different character. Oh, that's a really interesting idea. It never occurred to me before. That is, I guess, that's true. Because you always see a famous person, you go, "Oh, that's Tom Hanks as that guy." Yeah, it's a slightly different. And I don't know if uh, what value it actually has anymore. And, and now you you have to do you know so much promotion for your different films so you are incredibly exposed anyway but i think for me that's a good enough reason why not to i think it's uh i don't know how much 
you know, attention one person can get. I think if you start looking for that attention, which, you know, I definitely do, but I, I try to keep that side of me at bay. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's such a narcissistic job as it is. So I think the more that you can, uh, the little part that you can control in, 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 you know, trying to be successful in this profession, the better you're going to be off. Yeah, it must be, it must be weird for people who are, Especially people like, like I think Daniel Day Lewis is a perfect example of a guy who clearly does not want to be famous. He just wants to do these roles. I mean, maybe to some degree that's not true because, like, well, then why why, like, why take a big movie if yeah. you don't want to be famous? But uh, you know, I'm sure he wants to be famous for his work, right? You know, and that, and I, and that's a big. I think that's a big difference. And um, so, what do you want to be famous for? For you know, b- tweeting. Uh, or <laughs> yes i do <laughs> yeah. i do i built a show but, around but, it. but but it's a very different thing like if you're an artist or a comedian you know like that's um that's a very different thing that then then it feel for me at least that that you're in your art you're never pretending to be anyone else right and and that's your work so yeah. for me that's the the reason that i have now you know you know you might see me you know Posting some YouTube video of drunk Russian in two months on, on, on my Twitter with twenty thousand followers, and I'm so proud, you know, and, and just chasing all that. But uh, you know, for now at least, I'm. I mean, because it could get to it could get weirder and weirder, you know. For, like the more the more stuff you do, I think the more that kind of gets in the way a, a little bit. And I, and I think to a degree, <clears throat> you can keep yourself out of all the tabloids if you really want to. Yeah, you just yeah, don't sure. play into it, and, and then you they'll... don't go to certain places. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then I think once people find out, like if you can, if you can <clears throat> kind of make them think you're boring, then they're gonna like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that guy's not. No yeah. one's. No, that's not gonna sell any magazines. Exactly, so yeah. I think that's sort of that's sort of the way that's sort of the way around that. But it does at some point. It probably sort of could get kind of in the way of like I just want to do this thing, and this other stuff is weird and it's not real. But I don't know how to. They should have fame classes like. Teach people how to really deal with it psychologically, a so that you don't spin out of control and it doesn't give into the narcissism monster. I think that's what Casey Affleck and Joaquin Phoenix was, did with that movie. That was oh like, yeah, you think a, so? That was a fame class. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a really interesting idea. They uh, they were doing something with it. Yeah. That's for sure. There was uh, something that was an incredible film, and also the commitment. The ad, the commitment. Oh my god! To allow I yourself mean, the, to be perceived as crazy for a couple of years oh my, as part of an experiment. The bravest thing I've ever seen anyone do to to just you know to jeopardize your career and your public persona for an experiment like that. You know? Did you see her? I haven't seen it yet, but I heard it's amazing. It's incredible. I've heard it's incredible. really incredible. Yeah. Um, I mean that 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 you know. Of course, Joaquin Phoenix is, you know, fantastic, always genius. But, but that script, just what they were able to do with that idea is just mind-blowing. That script, you know, deserves every... It's a fucking... It's, it's the best film I've seen this year by far. It's incredible. What else did you see that you liked? Um, 12 Years of Slaves I thought was incredible. Um, I really liked American Hustle. I mean, I'll watch Christian Bale do anything, you know? Yeah. Um, Newsies? Would you watch Newsies? He was in Newsies. No. You didn't see Newsies? What's Newsies? Newsies was the movie that gave us Christian Bale. Really? You've seen Newsies. You must have seen Newsies. I, Newsies <laughs> was basically uh, 
it was a me- it was like was it Disney? Was it a Disney musical? It was a Disney musical. Oh, a tiny Christian Bale. <laughs> a tiny Christian Bale. Uh, I mean, but it was this before Empire of the Sun. It was after Empire of the Sun, I think. Right? Was it before? Basically, it was a bunch of because ki- I would say that Empire of the Sun was what gave us Christian Bale. <laughs> well, it, was he delivering newspapers in a 1930s fashion and no, singing no, about it? He was not. Well, then it wasn't given to me. Uh, because Newsies is the one that I saw first. <laughs> yeah, Newsies was basically like a newspaper boy musical from the 30s. Mm. And so knowing what you know about Christian Bale now, it's sort of funny to look like, you know, to see like Patrick Bates. I'm not going to see it. Bateman and... Not, not, no, no, I don't want it to ruin this. Would it ruin or enhance? Okay, I'll see it. <laughs> I'll see it. If I can do one thing, it's just to get you to see the movie Newsies. <laughs> P.S. Please don't watch Newsies because then you'll blame me for having watched Newsies. Uh, but, <laughs> but you know, that's why I kind of like seeing where film is now as opposed to when I was growing up and everything was very segmented. It was like action stars were action stars and, you know, like real actors were real actors. And now someone figured out like, oh, yeah, you can put real actors in action movies and then you they can go off and do artistic films and then also – you know, do these other types of movies as well. It's yeah. like there's there's a lot of possibility. So I'm really interested to see what you know what you decide to do next. Like what part of you you feel like you really need to kind of fulfill. Do you go looking for it, or do you just kind of like you know scripts come across the table and you go, this one seems like something I might like. No, I've actually been um, you know trying to develop a you know a couple of things that I I really want to do and. Um, and we'll see, uh, you know, see how it goes. But um, um, no, I, I definitely try to. I mean, that that's the that's what I'm most amazed by uh, the position that I'm sort of coming to, and, and RoboCop really helps. You know, that is is that you uh, and, and this isn't possible in Sweden either. Um, that you know, in, in the United States, when you're an actor and you you reach a certain level, then you can start to develop your own projects and. And they might actually get made if you want to do them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not quite there yet, but um, but almost. And um, and then you really then you then you can really be a part of the conversation, and you can you can you know be a factor in what stories are being told, and what kind of uh, people and what kind of problems uh, need to be highlighted. Yeah. And that's really the kind of I think those are the careers that are really interesting too. The people that you know, the Clooney's of the world, where it's like you know his hand is in everything he does. Yeah. And if he does something, you know it's because he really loved it in some way yeah. and felt like he could do something creative with it. You know, outside of just acting in it. For sure. I mean, I think Steve McQueen would have you know gotten Twelve Years a Slave made. You know, he would. I'm sure he would have gotten it made in some other place too. But you know, he Brad Pitt. Um, you know, very much was yeah. very instrumental in making that film happen, and and maybe he wouldn't have been able to, you know, do exactly the film that he wanted to make, and you know, so I, I mean, some of there's some people in this business that I think are really, um, you know, putting a lot of energy and and uh, using a lot of the stock that they have earned into something good, and I think that's worth a lot of respect. You could do a Steve McQueen character, <clears throat> I think. You could do a Steve McQueen character. All you need to do. Is just stay out in the sun way too long, 
smoke a lot more, get a little leathery. I'm smoking through this whole interview. I know, but that's not real cigarette. That's a that's that, that's that's an electronic vape. Va- that's a, a vapor thing. It's not going to give me cancer. It's, it's, it's just it's just water. I'm sorry, little guy. Hey, don't worry. There's plenty of I'm things in the world that will give you cancer. I'm such a wuss. If you want cancer, there's plenty of things in the world. Uh, but uh, it's this is about yeah. We're in about our hour. This is like an hour ten, I think. Right. An hour six. This it flies by, Joel. It, it really did. It absolutely flies by. I hope that your press schedule is um, does not crush you in the next uh, couple of weeks, and and I really do hope people see RoboCop. I think it's a I think it's a good example of how to reboot a movie of paying homage to the first one, but still kind of being its own thing, and then being a slightly different kind of movie. Yeah. And uh, it was really my only regret was that I saw it on a tablet and not like a giant screen. Oh, you saw it on a tablet. They sent it to me on a tablet. Yeah. Remember with the Eastern European guy? Yeah, with making, the gun. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember, you got to see it in the theater. I will. I'll go see it in the theater yeah. too because I, I feel like when I was watching it on the tablet, I mean, and it was a really great tablet. <laughs> that Sony sent over, but I, but the whole time I was like, "Fuck! I really want to see special tablet for you. This was a special tablet. You do not touch the tablet. The tablet touches you." <laughs> yeah. um, but, but on the fr- we end we end, we end the podcast by saying, uh, "Enjoy your burrito." To people, um, we tell them to enjoy the burrito. In other words, like enjoy the process, enjoy your presence. Uh, it's sort of a mantra, and I mm. feel like I would love to hear what that sounds like in Sweden. In Swedish, I would love to hear it in Sweden, and I would also love to hear it in Swedish. Mm. So you enjoy your burrito. Uppskatta din burrito, also. That's fantastic. Do you guys have burritos? No, please forgive me for asking these dumb American questions. So you guys have like lights and cars over there? Do you eat food? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. We put it in our mouths. What? That's crazy. Yes. We eat with our assholes here. Yes. I forgot to tell you. Yeah. If you want to be cool, that's what all the cool American kids are doing. All right. Uh, it's good to see you, Joel. Thank you yeah, so much for being here. It was a lot of fun. Best of luck with Robocop and best, and please come back sometime and I'd check love in every to, once in a while. Anytime. Okay. Excellent. Right, uh, enjoy so your burrito in Swedish. Njut av burriton. Now leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.